Blog Talk Radio. in April, and uh, the NFL schedule was released yesterday. Well, I saw the, the Broncos and the Patriots play, what is it, November, early yeah, November. November. Yeah. Of course, the Broncos, three consecutive road games, the Patriots, three consecutive home games. Is it the last of those runs? It's the first of the runs for Denver. Oh. Well, that's not that big of a deal. But, you know, the opener is Seattle-Green Bay, which is a rematch of the fail-marry game from a couple years ago. Right. <laughs> and then uh, Denver-Indianapolis is the first Sunday night game, which is the Luck-Manning thing. So I did say an interesting I'm, thing I'm, to see. What? I'm just curious to see what what happens with Seattle this year. I'm so fat. I'm always fascinated by the by the Super Bowl champs to see what, what they put together the next year. Because remember, Seattle won so many of those games that gave them the whole home field advantage. But coming back late in games and, and squeaking wins by. The, the, the. So it, it, I'm, I'm just curious to see how well they do. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't give Matt Schaub a Super Bowl share. That pick six basically bailed them out of that game really late when basically a punt probably wins the game. Um, and they're playing a championship game in San Francisco. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing that they only have one of their home games is on national TV or primetime because the last four primetime games in Seattle have been total blowouts. So they, they want to put their road games on because I think at home they're so dominant that they don't want to scare the audience away. Oh, well, that, well, that makes sense. And, and uh, well, but, again, you had – they did they lost a, a home game late in the season, didn't they? And they also had they, they lost struggled Arizona. Tampa Bay. They did lose Arizona, but their their prime time games have just been these smushes at home. Uh, so even the Super Bowl rematch with the Broncos is a just a regular Sunday game. It's nothing. It's also the first rematch of a Super Bowl in 17 years. The next season, I would have wow. thought it would happen more, but just statistically, it's not happened since 1997, where you've had the two Super Bowl teams play the following season. And that's in Seattle. It's in Seattle, so that's a loss for Denver. So <laughs> it's week three. Get it out of the way. And I, I well, it's just this is why the NFL is the best because it, it's it's it is every week is like opening a Christmas present and 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 just the the, the just every win means so much and the teams that looked unbeatable. I mean, what was Denver eight and zero, seven and zero last season? Uh, in what the Broncos at one point they weren't they eight and zero or seven and zero and no they were six and they were six and zero and they lost to the Colts. Got it right. Well, they were six and zero, and and you know the the uh, undefeated talk started. Yeah. Oh well, the undefeated talk start because New England actually did do it in two thousand seven. It starts a lot sooner these days. We had Atlanta a couple years ago. We had the Titans. I mean, it's like it seems that every year a team. Last year was the Chiefs that were nine and zero and the greatest things in sliced bread. And then they finally actually played a quarterback who was you know uh, had at least a smidgen of talent and lost three games in a row. So. 
<laughs> but you're right, because it equates to 10 baseball games, if you look at the thing, or eight NBA or NHL games, one NFL game just simply means more, and, you know, the schedule comes out because the games matter when they're played, too. It really does matter, you know, if you play a, in Buffalo in January, the first weekend in January, the last game, or you play them in September, so. Yeah. Um, hopefully Michael Sam will be uh, somewhere on an NFL roster that first weekend, and, uh. We talked about that last week. The draft's in two weeks, and we'll see where he lands. Well, as long as he lands somewhere and plays, <laughs> I don't care. I yeah, exactly. I want to go to his first um, game. Yes, that's what the plan is. So could be, well, if he's in Seattle, would be the uh, Seattle or Green Bay. It'd be the Thursday night game. Wow. Open the season. Uh, but enough football. It's only April. So um, we've had a couple of stories. We're going to have a guest on in about, Five, six minutes, Anton Heisen, a soccer player who was signed by um, a team here in in the U.S., South Carolina, correct? Yeah, the Myrtle Beach Mutiny, I think it's called. And Anton was, I think at the time, the first uh, openly gay pro soccer player um, from Sweden um, and made, made a lot the of news about that was well, um, what's I mean, his name? The, oh, Justin Fashion. Now, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, sort of the, in terms of you know more recent times, uh, you know, before anybody came out in the MLS or anything, uh, he got yeah. a fair amount of attention. Well, what's interesting is to me is that the, the team of South Carolina signed him, and and you know it, it kind of dovetails a couple of the articles that we've had in the last the, this week about kind of religion and sports and. How the two interplay, and an and interesting article by Warren Perry, the former North Carolina swimmer, about the lessons that religion can learn from sports on the LGBT community. I thought that was a great piece by him. Well, it was interesting is I was reading one at the same time by Derek Shell, the basketball player at Hillsdale, and then I saw the headline on yours, and I thought, did you like just write about the Derek Shell thing? And then I realized it was a totally different story, but it was the same take. And Derek was, I'm gay, I'm a Christian, I'm a basketball player. And I thought there are two great pieces. Uh, you know, the Warren says what religion could learn from sports. And I think with both him and Derek, they're kind of trying to make change from the inside on religion. And I think a lot of people, I've like I've abandoned religion so long ago, I can't remember. And I think a lot of gay people have because of, you know, it stands on gay issues, but you have a lot of these people saying, I'm not leaving my church or my faith. And, you know, I like Derek's thing is, you know, my God doesn't make mistakes, so I'm not a mistake or, you know, an abomination. And I think they really can, can sort of set a path because there's, you know, that's, we have found, I think, our, our stories we've written and, and, you know, work with people on religion being the single biggest impediment to these people coming out. Well, because it's the one institution that that really the church seems to really breed homophobia, and I talk about the the, the you know what's what uh, to me what, what what the church can learn best from sports is getting back to your core roots, and the core roots of sports isn't homophobia; it's it's teamwork and hard work and sportsmanship and victory and celebration and things like that. And the core element of Christianity is not gay people are wrong. It's love and kindness and generosity, and and I think more and more you're seeing you're certainly seeing gay Christians moving toward those basic tenets. But I think you're seeing a lot of Christian churches move back toward those basic tenets instead of how wrong gay people are. 
Well, what's interesting about Derek's thing is he went, you know, he still attends, but he's graduating. Hillsdale College, which might be the most, maybe one of the two or three most conservative schools in the country. And when we worked with him on the story, if you remember, he really didn't, he wanted to downplay the Hillsdale element because, you know, he thought he would get in trouble for it. Um, You know, super religious, super conservative. And yet here's this guy who was openly gay on his college basketball team there. So it kind of, it really, you would think, you know, he's out at Cal Berkeley or Stanford or something. No, he's out at Hillsdale College. And it just, it really shows how this area is moving more and more away from what you consider the hotbeds of, you know, gay acceptance. And it's kind of going everywhere. Well, it, it was it, it it kind of pissed me off to to see. Uh, I saw a lot of people were talking about what Bill O'Reilly said about why why gay marriage is spreading across the country, and he essentially asserts that it's because of bullying techniques and and forcing people to be quiet. That's not it. It's because of people like Derek and Warren and and Austin Parish and and all the other people who have come out. In sport, in sports, and in our culture over the last fifteen years, it's not because of bully techniques. We're not we're not advancing this stuff in sports because we're holding guns to anybody's heads. It's because people are people are seeing, oh, gay people just uh, they might have sex with differently than I do, but they are just like me in every other way, and that's because people are coming out. That's what's changing people's minds. Well, on the same thing with the marriage thing, you're seeing couples all over the country who, you know, maybe had to be quiet before or couldn't sort of show their their commitment and are able to do it. And, yeah, I do think that that, that, that argument is the last stand of of the people who are against it, trying to make it sound like we're being the, the bullies and something, and it's not. It's just about acceptance. And But I do think it's interesting that people like Warren and Derek are operating from the inside, as you know, in religion, and not from from a position of sort of being, you know, outside, you know, some liberal, some liberal atheist or something. And I think it can, it, they they confront it. They they they're confronting people on their own turf, and I think that's very very important because they can well, talk the Bible, to... they can talk religion the way other people yeah. maybe can't. Well, being able to speak that language, and that that's what people respond to. And it's you know when we talk about. Uh, you know that's what, what, why Wade Davis has been so powerful, and with the NFL, because he can speak the language of NFL players, and that's why it's so important when you know whenever you try reaching out to people in in different sports, uh, you know, and, and really trying to affect how they think about gay people, that you have people who can speak that language. You have Christians talking to Christians, and football players talking to football players, and black people talking to black people. That just it it, it just they can speak on 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 uh, a more honest level and 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 just kind of be understood better. And it also demystifies, I think, the idea of being gay, which you know everybody has their stereotypes in their head. And when you see people of all different backgrounds and races and ethnicities and geographies, it's kind of like, oh, we really are kind of everywhere. And I think that's that's the power of a lot of that kind of stuff. Which I think is the power of the the African American experience in, in you know these guys being at the forefront, like Jason Collins and Michael Sam and Derek Gordon, because it flies in the face of what we sort of perceived as the group that would be least accepting of it.
Yep. Well, well, Jim, I uh, we have we have a caller, and I hope this is Anton Heisen, because if it's not, we have somebody calling in to talk religion. Uh, hi, this is uh, this is Sid and Jim. You're on Outsports Radio. Hi, Sid and Jim. It's Kevin Lynch uh, calling. Um, and uh, Sid, I know we we've talked a lot in the past, but um, I'm really happy that you guys are on SB Nation and are getting this. Uh, going and it's great to hear you guys and um, just wanted to say how uh, how I'm you know very much into this whole religion and gay athletes um, topic and uh, as you know I cover the 49ers and it was interesting the other day well it was last last season I was talking to Vernon Davis and and a few years ago I'd asked Vernon about what he thought of a gay teammate and he wasn't very fired up about it at all. Then I asked him about a year later, and he said he he was, and that he he would accept a gay teammate, and that that, that you know he would welcome that, so on and so forth. And I, I said, Vernon, a year ago you said you you weren't very welcoming. I said, what changed? And he said, religion. He said, you know, I'm much more of a spiritual guy now. And I'm much more accepting now. And so you have in this situation with, with some players that they're using religion and its its positive attributes to to ex, be more accepting rather than to shut off um, what, what they construe to be um, a, a, not a good thing. So I, I just thought that was interesting. I wanted to bring it up. Did he did he elaborate any more on on I mean I assume he's Christian I mean did he did he say that he knew gay people did that contribute to his change You know I think he probably does you know he has a he's an artist he has an art gallery in San Francisco and um so I I think that that would probably be uh a fair prediction um, and I know just uh, doing this thesis on uh, homosexual acceptance among college football players that contact, you know, with with the LBGTQ community is such a huge factor in in homosexual acceptance, um, certainly within sports, and I'm sure other areas too. Um, so that that seems to be, uh, you know, just just the main factor in acceptance. Kevin, this is Jim. A question back on Vernon, the religion. It seems to go against what people from the religious angle who argue against gay people, they cite their religion as the reason for their opposition. Vernon is citing it as a reason for his support. What did he base it on? You know, we didn't get into that, and I wanted to get get back to him a little bit on that. Um, He did say that, you know, he had just become more of an accepting person and that um that he'd become uh, you know that his that his christianity had t- had taught him to be more tolerant um and, and you know I, that's why I, sometimes i don't get the religious angle on on this uh, on homosexuality at all because it it seems like the greater tenets of of christianity and most religions you know, accepting your, your 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 brother is doing those types of things, and, and that seems to be the larger principles. Uh, and I, obviously, 
particularly right wing religion, has gotten caught up in these in these sort of menial um, interpretations, and, and the interpretations from the Bible might even be wrong uh, from the Old Testament. Um, so that's <clears throat> that, that that's the other part that's mystifying to me. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say might. I mean, I think people keep forgetting the Bible was written over hundreds of years. It was, I mean, language is so precise that it was written and rewritten in different languages. How do we know what the original, you know, Aramaic actually said? And yet people seem to act like it literally is a literal translation. But I think this idea of him being an artist has to be that he's been exposed to, you know, LGBT people in, in this field and has come to see them as real, you know, as sort of real people. And uh, the quote he gave to Larry King before the Super Bowl, where he would welcome a gay teammate and thought the NFL would be the first league to have one, to me, was pretty revealing. Yeah, and also prescient, obviously. Um, so, yeah, he's um, – he, he's, uh, and I think it just goes to show that, that – that, and we've seen it, you know, if you look at it and you research it, that, and you guys know this so well, that when you do have a gay teammate – that uh, you know, there's a lot of been been written and said, particularly from anonymous personnel people in the NFL, that this is going to be toxic to the locker room. That this is, you know, that the, the locker room's a 1950s place. When really, if you look at the research, if someone comes in as an outsider, whether it's Jackie Robinson, whether it's Michael Sam, whoever it is, they actually galvanize team chemistry. And and it's the opposite effect of what a lot of these anonymous NFL personnel people are saying, and and I, I think that's that's pretty significant as well. Well, we had Michael Sand came out to Missouri. They went to the Cotton Bowl, had their best season in years. Jason Collins joins the Nets. They're in the playoffs. The kid Jalen Messersmith came out as a college basketball player. His team made NAIA tournament for the first time ever. I think if a gay 49er came out, they'd be guaranteed of a Super Bowl. Well, I, it's interesting you mentioned that because with all the problems with Alden Smith, with all the public problems, public relations problems the 49ers are now having, I would not be surprised at all if the 49ers drafted Michael Sam. Really? Well, really. Would, they, would they really do that because of the, I mean, for public relations reasons? Well, the, the overwhelming reason they would do it is because they need a pass rusher. Um, however, you know, they've had real problems with Alden Smith. I mean, here's this guy with 42 sacks and 43 games who can't get it together, has all these court dates and pending, you know, pending on him. They've allowed him to, to participate in the off-season program, which began earlier this week. They're trying to negotiate a way to keep him on the team and yet keep the public from boycotting their new stadium so i think it's i think yes i think public relations does play a role in this and well, would, he it, fit, I mean, would he fit what they're looking for though given the kind of defense they play absolutely you know he's 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 a guy who he he from what he's done so far he's just a pure pass rusher you know you you're not going to necessarily want him on first and second down but on on obvious passing downs, he's you're going to want him, and, and he does that extremely well. And and I think that's a obviously that's a very valued commodity in the NFL. Well, it's well, it's a passing league, and 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 obviously people need pass rushers. 
Um, all right, Kevin. Well, well, thank you so much for calling in. We we, we appreciate that, and, and and you know we need to have you back on and talk more San Francisco sports and the the Niners and maybe post draft kind of talk about what 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 what's ahead for them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, guys, have me on any time, and, and I'm so happy that you guys are doing this, and I really hope it uh, it's successful for you. You know, I just had one question. I know you you mentioned some articles you had on the website. You know, Warren Perry, uh, Derek Shell, and Austin Parrish. Are there any other articles that deal with this um, religious issue and and gay athletes? Well, there are a bunch, and 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 if you click on the Warren Perry article, we've, we've linked to a couple and must reads. Other athletes coming out and talking about these issues, um, but it's something that we're going to be talking about more and more. And uh, last weekend, we highlighted a bunch of them on the front page. But we'll keep, we'll, you know, we'll keep, we'll make sure we keep tweeting them out and and reminding people that they're out there because it's a it's a hot topic. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, All right, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Well, that was Kevin Lynch. He's uh, been a longtime sports writer in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, jumping a- across the country, we, I believe, are now joined by Anton Heisen. Hi, Anton. Hi, can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, are, you in South Car- are you in South Carolina? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm actually on the couch right now getting ready to uh, help my uh, buddy to clean the car. Because we got to go to practice in about like a couple of hours, so yeah. Helping my buddies clean the car. He is in South yeah, Carolina. That's what, I, that's what I do here right now. <laughs> so tell us well, a bit about all, the playing. Well, well, tell us just a bit about the how this whole thing came about with this team and what what the what the what their season structure is like, and you know how long you're going to be playing for them. Yeah, so basically it all started with uh, that I went to college in North Carolina in 2010, and I played soccer there for one semester. Then I got a pro class back home in Sweden, uh, met two guys in the team, and they play here now, been here for like three years. So I basically said I've been to this team back home in Sweden now for four years, and I want to do something new. And they said, just come on over. <clears throat> we recommend you for the coach. Um Come over, play, uh, just help us out, and that's just basically the story. And I thought that, you know, it could be a good thing to do, uh, but it was a hard process to get over to this country. I'll tell you that. Well, because of the visa What was hard about the process? Well, you know, you got to do the visa. There's a lot of papers that need to be sent back and forth to get licensed to play in the league. Um, and since it's not the MLS or the USL, I didn't think it would actually be that, you know, much trouble, but it, it was a lot to do, actually. Uh, papers going back and forth and like fax and calling people and the embassy. But uh, now I'm here. I'm uh, happy to be here. We have a great season, you know, ahead of us. We've got a great team. Met a couple of players. And uh, I, th- I think it's going to be a great season. It's looking good. When does the season start? Uh, we got our first game the 16th of May. Um, I think we play away the first game, actually. So that's when it starts. We have a pre-game here on uh, Saturday against Jacksonville United. They won the NPSL 2011, so got a good game on Saturday. What is the uh, what, what's the popularity of the team in in Charleston? 
Oh, uh, what do you mean, like Charleston or Myrtle Beach? Where Where are you? I'm in. I'm sorry. I'm in. Mer- I'm in Myrtle Beach right now. What do you mean, like how many guys are in the team? No, I mean, it's not like is is it a is it a popular team in the community? Do people know about it? Do they go to the games? Yeah. What's the? Yes, it's a popular team. Um, we've had, it, you know, the team started for two or three years ago, and it's been a lot of, you know, news around it. There's a lot of people who knows about it and. Uh, do these like events all the time we had the media day so we've had some tv and some radio stations so i mean and it's still going on so and there's a lot of commitment to this team and i see people around you know the staff members and everybody who's working around the whole club it's it's a lot of commitment so i mean in in a couple of years this team is going to be bigger than ever i think it's it's just a great team and you know i just love to be here at the moment so I'm sure you know that South Carolina isn't exactly known for being a hotbed of homosexuality, and, and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, in, it's, in, it's in the South. And certainly, yep. when, people, when people talk about what 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 cities might be best for a gay pro athlete, they talk about New York and Los Angeles and Miami and San Francisco, not Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. What kind of reaction have you found from from people, from the team, and from fans? Well, I've met a couple of teammates already, and nobody really cares uh, so far. And if somebody really would care, it's not my problem. It's their problem. I'm here to play. I'm here to win. And uh, that's what I always do and say. But honestly, I've met just positive stuff so far. And, uh, I mean, I'm ready for anything, so I don't really care. But, you know, fans are always going to be fans. They're always going to, you know, sing and do stuff. But, you know. Nothing so far. I've just heard positive stuff, and I'm I'm really happy to be here. The coach has been positive about everything. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just really excited to be in a, you know, a new town. I've been to New York, L.A., Miami, and all these big towns where it's supposedly, you know, to be more accepted. But, uh, you know, someone got to learn here, too, that we're, we're, you know, we're able to play. We're all humans. Well, we'll talk a bit about that, about what – what it's been like since you came out, because it did get a fair amount of attention because there are so yeah. few pro athletes who are out. Have you seen Have you seen the culture change in the three or four years since you actually came out, and what, have, what has been your experience? Well, first of all, I have to say that it has been changing, and I'm, you know, changing to the better because we have, you know, other athletes who are coming out and other athletes who are coming out after, you know, came out after their career. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, it's going the right way, and my own experience is good so far. And, and, you know, I've had the time to be in Sweden where everybody's, like, mostly liberal and very, you know, okay with everything, to be honest. So um, I haven't met any abuse, to be honest, or that much. Uh, but, yeah, the experience has been great so far. And, uh, you know, the change is going for the better, I think. We just need to work harder, and, you know, there's still a lot to do. But are you in contact? Have you been in contact with, with guys who are gay but are not out in the sport? And what do they tell you about the reasons they don't come out publicly? Um, I haven't heard any actual um, athlete that's really pro pro, but I have been in touch with people that have been about to go pro and you know close up to that, and they're just saying that they don't want the attention and the distraction, and, and that they just want to keep focusing on the sport. And I, I'm, you know, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, not everyone wants to be seen and heard of, you know, so I totally get that. So if you're listening and want to talk to Anton, the number is 347-945-7834. 
Anton, what you just said is kind of something that, that we battle. You know, Jim and I, we, we want athletes to come out publicly. Obviously, we want them to be yeah. ready to. But yeah. because we see how powerful it is to other athletes who are in the closet and, and other kids and, and, and really changing the culture, how do you talk to somebody? I mean, they say they want to just focus on soccer or their sport. Well, can't they do that? Can't they Can't they come out publicly and also focus on their sport? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's um that's all I'm saying. I mean, you could still do whatever you want. I mean, you're human. Everyone's different. Uh, why couldn't you be good at soccer and be open at the same time? That's how I see it. But you know, like then again, everyone is different, and everyone doesn't think the same way that I do, and you know, you guys do. Uh, maybe they don't want that attention, and you know, they just want to be playing the sport without having you know distractions. But you know, really see why you would have distractions. I mean, it all, like, at the end of the day, it matters what you do on the field. And, you know, you, you win titles for your team and you play for your team. So, I mean, your sexual orientation doesn't really matter on the field. That's how I see it. But isn't there have a you difference been between... Distracted? I'm going... What's that? Have you, been, have you been distracted since you came out? I mean, has this distracted you? Nope, not at all. That's, um, i got to be honest, like, I've... I really think that this whole experience has been more positive than I really thought it would be. I mean, people have been have been really, really, really positive to me, and they've been, you know, telling me that what you're doing is a great job and, you know, inspiring other people. And I've, you know, gotten emails, I've gotten letters, calls um, from people all over the world, to be honest, uh, and, you know, saying how good it is for, for the people. But then again, like, if it is that good, why aren't there more people coming out? I mean, I understand but, you know, yeah. I, I just think we need to work a little bit harder and, you know, try to, you know, just be proud of who we are. I mean, it's not easy, but you got to be ready for that. Everyone can't like it, but we can still work for, you know, a broader future in the sports. Wouldn't the argument be also to these guys that the media attention dies out after a certain point in Exactly. I mean, every time you're playing now, people don't say, oh, there's the gay soccer player the same way with yeah. Jason Collins now with the Nets. He's a player on the Nets or in the playoffs. You don't hear people in every story mentioning that he's a gay basketball player. He's just a basketball player. So there is that a, there's that immediate flurry of attention, but the media moves on this to another subject. And so at a certain point, once you're, once you're sort of out in public, they kind of grow tired of it, and you're just allowed to be yourself. Exactly. That's how, that's how it was for me, too. Even though it was a big thing for you know uh, a certain amount of time, People don't really care about it that much anymore, and, and you know they just look at what I do. Um, so I totally agree with you there. Uh, it's just I don't know if everyone is ready for it. You know that they want to talk about it. People are more private too. So, but um, but yeah, I really don't see um, how it would be a problem in one way if you're you know just be yourself. That's that's all I'll always say. And, you know you're there to perform your sport. All right, Anton, how many requests for dates and to be boyfriend have you gotten since you came out? Come on, be honest. Um, <laughs> I have gotten Come a lot, on. actually. I, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've gotten a lot, but, you know, you still got to be, you know, humble and that kind of stuff. And I just feel that just because you get that, it won't be the right type of person because they just want to, you know, maybe date or go out with you because, you know, they know who you are by the person and the media and that kind of stuff. But, 
it's been it's been tough. I mean, I, I've never really met anyone or heard about anyone that has, you know, the same type of interest that I do in that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've been single now for, what, like three years, haven't been on a date. So, I don't know. You haven't gone on a date in three years? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Well, well, we'll have to remedy to that Carolina. in South Carolina. There's a lot of eligible gay men around there. <laughs> I'm sure there are. We'll uh, we'll see. It's just you know I've been I've been focusing a lot on football and family and friends and you know like I don't know uh, when it when it happens it happens. It's not really you know I'm not really going out looking for it. You know it comes when it comes, right? So where do you, are you living when in the off season? Do you live in Sweden? Yeah, yeah. I got here three weeks ago, and I uh, stayed back home in Sweden during off-season. Uh, and then I get back here when, you know, the season starts in the preseason. Uh, but my visa is um, is for one year. So uh, i got to get another visa for next season if I'm going to stay. But you're going to go back and play again in Sweden in the, in the summer and the fall and I think I just might train with the team and just keep myself going and keeping myself fit uh, because I've signed for this team. But, you know, we don't know anything yet for sure. And after this season, you know, anything can happen. So, All right. Well, Anton Heisen plays for the uh, Myrtle Beach Mutiny. Their first game is – what you said it's a, it's an exhibition game this Saturday against the Jacksonville yes. United. This, this the season kicks off in South Carolina on May 16th. They've got a night game that day. Yes, the sir. It goes till till uh, mid to late July. Well, Anton, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having thank me. Great talking to you. Good luck this season. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Take care. He seems like a jolly chap. Yeah, so we have Anton, and then we had uh, we have Robbie Rogers. Now all we need is somebody in the English Premier League. That'll be the big one. That will be the big one. <laughs> and well, yeah, and you had that guy from the Bundesliga. Um, God, I can't remember his name. Thomas. Hitt- well, they had Thomas Hisselberger. Hisselberger. <laughs> yeah, but he had he had already retired. So yeah, who, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that was interesting. You know, it just for me, you know, talking to he's playing in South Carolina. First of all, they signed him, and 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 he has he's just had no ill effects whatsoever. He's had nobody say badly, uh, talk badly about him because he's gay. Certainly to his to his face, anyway. They signed him, and he has heard of nothing but support from fans. And it just, uh, Jim, I just keep wondering, like, where is all the homophobia in sports? Well, I do think the point he's made is that one is I think the I think a lot of people don't want the initial burst of attention and this feeling that there has to you know they're going to be known as the gay whatever name the sport, but the reality is the attention dies down pretty quickly. I mean, Michael Salmon will flare up around the draft. There'll be clearly interest during the training camp and the season, but kind of once the season gets going, it's going to going to quickly, I think, quickly fade unless, barring something unexpected, he'll just be a player on a team and he'll be judged like that. I mean, look at Jason Collins. I mean, it's sort of that story's done right now. I mean, the Nets are in the playoffs and 
not everything is about Jason because initially they did it well, right? They had all that series of press conferences yeah. when you go to new cities and everyone asked their questions, got sick of asking the questions, and there's nothing new to ask. Yeah, and yeah, the Michael Sam stuff is dead, and it's it's. I mean, well, not dead, but again, there's only so many times you can ask somebody about being gay, and, and so many different angles you could take. And I, I feel like the, the media has painted this this idea of the media circus as though it's this years long thing, and, and the quote unquote media circus for these big athletes it lasts at most a week, and then it's a media trickle, and then. Like you said, Jason Collins came out, you know, a year ago, almost to the day. It's over. It's over. And he's, he's just playing basketball, trying to win. Well, NBA yeah, it's over in a good way because it, you said there's nothing. I mean, if you ask me what I could write about Jason, I have nothing new to. We've written everything because at the end of the day, that all we know about him and Anton and that is that they they have a different sexual orientation than the vast majority of their teammates. That's it. There's no scandal. There's no, you know, there's no drama. There's no nothing. There's like, what do you, you know, that's, that's to me the interesting. There's really at a certain point, what do you ask new? Well, it, it, you know, I just realized we've never actually had an interview with Jason Collins, have we? No, we've met him clearly, but we've never, yeah, we've never have. I, and I'm not sure, I mean, I'd maybe talk to him after the season to just sort of get his get his thing on it. But if he had him now, it would be like he'd probably talk more about the Nets and the playoffs and, you know, they're against Toronto. And I think that would be the talk more than about being gay. But I think we should have, try to have him on this show after uh, after their playoffs run. Yeah, this summer it would be good to have him on. I agree. We'll, we'll have to reach out to him. It's just funny, like, we've, we've, we've met him, but just, you know, <laughs> we just never well, – Really thought to, to, to do an interview and a story. It's, it's, it's well, and I do think because we've written so, both of us have written so much about him, and he's been out there so much that it is. I think in our heads, it's like we know everything. So I don't have, we don't have the need to have him on exclusively. Whereas we get more excited about people that no one's heard about. You know, oh, gee, we're telling the story of Derek Gordon. We're telling the story of this swimmer or that, you know, soccer player. Yeah. Well, well, I'm, I actually wanted to go to to South Carolina to go to a game with Anton to kind of see what it's like and and to meet him. But uh, May and June just are not the best times for me to get to South Carolina. <laughs> better than August, given the weather there. In August would be brutal. I have I have good friends in Charleston, and uh, which is I, I guess a couple hours from from Myrtle Beach. But I don't know. I guess we might have to wait till next year. I got nothing else right now. We're just we're gone a little longer. <laughs> just what a way to end the podcast. Okay, we're done. Bye bye. <laughs> well, what do we have? I guess next week or the week after, we're going to have to talk about that NBA dra- that NFL draft that's coming up, and Michael yeah. Sam and when he's going to get drafted. And it'll be interesting to see. What we're going to have to get ahead of is actually trying to trying to dig up you know future te- comments from future teammates and and stuff like that. And, that that'll be the interesting take. What have guys yeah. said about him already before he gets there? Well, that's it for now. We'll talk to you next week.